0: Welcome to the Nail Tech Entrepreneur. This is Andrea Pettingill. Call me Drea. And I'm just excited to help you feel like you have a handful of Nail Tech friends who are making serious money. And just by being around them, you give yourself permission to do the same, to really respect your business and your career. And today I am recording my first episode with an interview episode to um, introduce you guys to Trisha Baldwin. She was one of my mentors when I first got started in the industry, and watching and learning from her helped me give myself permission to take my career to the next level. And I'm so excited because the things that she shares in this episode are gonna help you with things like, so some of the things that she says is, um, She's going to talk about the her best tips for building a client's health, um, and she's going to talk about it in a way where old school meets the way clients are today, um, just like the modern instant gratification. So look forward to that. She's going to talk about pricing tips. Um, she does it a lot differently than I've ever heard before or heard people consider it. So come and learn about that. She talks about setting up people in your corner to support you and how just giving you some ideas on how you can be supported um, as far as spouse, people around you um, with different parts of your business. Um, And she talks about balancing um, both hats of being a salon owner and a nail tech um, just with her clients one-on-one. Some of the things that I love are she talks about some timing tips on getting faster at your nail work and how, when you break it down, you can make, um, you can make some serious money. You can make a hundred thousand dollars a year with the way she breaks it down and helps you see the possibility in being a nail tech and the growth that, um, we all strive for. We want to make this a career, not just a jobby is what I like to call it a hobby. That's just expensive hobby. (laughs) So let's jump into the episode. Awesome. Okay. Hello. Hello. (laughs) Okay. I'm here with Trisha Baldwin. Did I say your last name, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. Awesome. (laughs) I'm here with Trisha Baldwin and I'm so excited to ask her all these yummy questions about the nail industry and nail business and awesome stuff. So I wanted to kind of start with my intention for this and that's to help nail technicians realize that they can make more money than they think. Um, I think a lot of times we just are like, nails is like this jobby, like this hobby job, and I can't really make something big out of it. But Trisha is someone who I admire so much in the beauty industry, and she's just killing it. (laughs) And I wanted to ask her these questions because I feel like when you surround yourself with people that are doing awesome things, um, and when you learn from them, you have a stronger belief in yourself and your own ability to do the same and to even go just beyond your wildest dreams with your career. So, Tricia, 20 questions. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm okay, going to okay. you. <laughs> okay. So, no, I'm just kidding. Um, so, first, a few basic things about you. I wanted to know, like, introduce yourself, like, who you are, where you live, your family, and stuff like that. So, uh,
1: obviously, Trisha Baldwin. I have been in the beauty industry for 18 years. Um, I've been married for 15, and I have three boys. I live down in South Jordan, Utah, but the salon that I own is in Riverton, Utah, so it's a nice seven-minute commute. Um, I love it. I love being close to my family, close to all my friends, and yeah, that's a little bit about me. I love that.
0: (laughs) So close and so easy. I'm all about making life easier because life is hard enough. (laughs) Um, one of my questions that I have to ask you is like, where did the pink start for you? Like, is that like a childhood love or is that just like a personality thing? Like that you realize about yourself?
1: No, I've always loved pink. So growing up when I was five, my parents let me choose my own carpet for my bedroom and it was pink. So, all of my entire life, I've loved the color pink. Everything I buy is pink. Just I don't know what my obsession is. It's just been since I was like little. Um, and then as I was building the salon, and I was coming up with all these different names, just nothing hit me. Nothing stuck. I didn't like any. Like it just, I just felt weird about all the names. And finally, it's like pink. Like that's who I am. That every, I never will dislike the color pink. And it just is so different than any other salon around. So I just thought, you just know when you say, I'm going
0: to pink, people will know what that is. I love so it. I've
1: always
0: loved it. It's so cute. And if, and if this is an audio version and you can't see Trisha, her hair is amazing. <laughs> her hair is a pink, like, ombre down to a blue purple unicorn thing going on. And I love it. Thank you. I think you've had pink hair since I've met you. Like, you've always done the pink hair.
1: I've had pink hair, some version of pink hair, for probably seven years now. So it's just a part of me.
0: <laughs> I love it. Okay, let's talk about how we met, because I met you because you were one of the educators at a Young Nails um, class in American Fork. We're both in Utah. I don't know if we said that, but yeah, um, American Fork. When did you start um, as an educator? Like, what got you into being an educator?
1: Um. So I met young males at a trade show. So I used to use another brand. And when I was at the trade show, I went up to their booth and I just felt like I wasn't getting any help. And I was trying to ask questions and they kind of talked to me like I was dumb, which I hate that when people talk to you that way. And I was trying to get into doing glitter toes. So back in the day, there wasn't gel polish. It was like gel with glitter. And so then I happened upon the young males booth and they were so... So friendly and so helpful and they're like oh we we have uh, Amanda and Sonia they're here they can help you and they came up to me and they got me all the products I needed and they said come to our shop and we will show you how to use everything for free so I drove down to Spanish Fork did that and I just thought this is customer service like if you want somebody to use your product correctly and love your product then you need to teach them and educate so I started taking multiple classes through Amanda And I thought this looks like a really fun job and it's just something extra for me to do on top of doing nails. And so I called corporate, I figured it all out and then I've been an educator for about 10 years now.
0: That's so awesome. Tell me about that because you have done everything from having apprentices in your shop to like teaching at Premier Orlando, right? Yes.
1: Yeah, so um, after... Well, yeah, it was after I started trying to become a young male educator, I was also studying to take my test to become a Utah State educator. So I have a license. So I have my Cosmetology license and then I have a Utah State Educator's license and I'm a senior mentor for young nails. So I have girls come in the salon and I teach them from scratch how to do nails. And I think as a business owner, this has really helped explode my business because I don't have to just hire anybody off the streets. I do, but I can train my own people to do nails the way that I want them to do them and how I feel will make them successful in their own business. Um, And so I really, I enjoy teaching people, like whether it's a nail tech that's wanting to up their skills or better themselves or somebody who doesn't know anything about nails and teaching them everything they need to know.
0: That's awesome. How many How many staff do you have in your shop? How many like do nails, do you even know the numbers? Because you just expanded and it's like huge.
1: Yeah, so I expanded. So right now we have 36 of us that work at Pinks. Um, I would say a little over half is nail tech. We have a couple of us that do hair and nails. So, but nail tech wise, we have a little over half is nail tech.
0: Awesome. Okay, so as you've been like, teaching them to do nails and then bringing them on to your team. What has been some of the bigger struggles that you like have seen them? Like if you were to teach them, okay. I know you're stuck with building your clientele. Here's some of my solutions like that I found, like to help them kind of through that. So,
1: okay. I see a lot on Facebook people post, and they say you it's old school to sit at a salon and wait for walk-ins. That's an old school way to build your business. It's all about Instagram, it's all about Facebook. Which I agree that Instagram and Facebook is huge at building a clientele, but you We need both did it before it.
0: that, girl.
1: <laughs> yeah. So I built my clientele before Facebook and Instagram even existed. And I still feel that the best way to build a clientele is to sit at the salon you wait for walk-ins you're the one answering the phone and on top of that it's about making friends with all the girls you work with because if i'm sitting at a salon and i'm talking to all the hairdressers well the hairdresser's clients are going to like they're going to learn who i am and they're going to come to me to get their nails done and it's about being present and making yourself known so when girls come in here and they want to build a clientele i always tell them your best bet is to sit at your nail table while you're practicing learning new things and have the phone by you and constantly answer your phone. And as you're working, then on top of that post on Instagram, post on Facebook, run little specials for your family to get people in. So I'm super old school when it comes to building a clientele because you just need to make yourself known so that people want to come to you.
0: Yeah. I love that. It's all about connections. And like, I think it starts with a self-confidence thing for people. Because they're like newbies in the industry, don't you think? And then they're like, but like, I'm kind of nervous to talk to these, uh, this amazing staff at the salon, right? So yeah. Yeah. And then, it, and then it starts from there, like making connections and talking to people. It's hard to teach that the the grit of sitting there. <laughs> Do you find that it's hard?
1: It's,
0: I think it's really hard to
1: teach people to sit here because they're looking at, well, if I sit there, I'm not making any money during that time. Mm-hmm. But even if you get one walk-in and you're charging $40 for that walk-in, let's just put a number out there of $40. If you sat for two do- like two hours waiting for that, you made $20 an hour, which is more than what a lot of people are making these days. They're going and getting a job for $12 to $14 an hour. And you sat, you got to practice your skills for an hour. And then you worked for an hour and you made more than, than some of your friends. So to me, it's all about sitting and just waiting for the opportunity. And a lot of people that are walking, they don't want to make an appointment. They're a walk-in for a reason. And so you can say, oh, I'll be back. Tell somebody I'm 15 minutes away. But people don't want to wait. Like they're instant gratification nowadays. So when they walk in, they want you to automatically do their appointment.
0: Yeah, they want they want it right then. And, and okay, so tell me if you agree with me here, because... When I tell my girls at my salon to like for like appointments and like getting back to people within 24 hours, like being on the spot, I feel like you're closing a sale. Like that's my belief about it. And I, and I know people like don't want to be considered salesmen or, or closing a sale is a very like businessy word that maybe as nail techs we don't resonate with. But like, it's like when someone calls or walks in, like you got to actually use some I don't know, like business savvy to close that sale, don't you think? Oh, yeah,
1: for sure. I always tell the girls every time the phone rings, that's $50. Exactly. And so I'm constantly trying to teach that. Like every time my phone goes off, it's $50. And so you want to make sure that you answer people back. And you want to give yourself a reputation because, like I said, instant gratification. People are messaging our salon at midnight on Sunday nights hoping that we're gonna answer them and make them an appointment. And yeah, we might not get back to them till eight o'clock in the morning, but we make sure that we answer those messages because we want that revenue and we want to show like a good reputation. So that's why I always am telling a girl like,
0: you have to answer people back, you have to. Yeah. And I think as like, I guess the, this generation grows up, they all just wanna text and not like call and not like follow up. Do you find that that's true? Oh, we
1: we still get phone calls, but yeah, we get a lot of Instagram messages or Facebook messages. People just want to instantly, while they're thinking about it, shoot a text, shoot a message and not have to actually pick up the phone and call, which, you know, that's That's what happens. Yeah. I think that what happens is when people want to text for an appointment, then you don't have to get back to them. Where if somebody calls, you, you have to answer the phone and answer them right then. And that's what like people just kind of think. Well, they texted me. I'll just get back to them tomorrow. And then tomorrow you forget. It's like okay, well you just threw fifty dollars away.
0: Yeah, seriously. Um, Okay, I haven't been looking at my questions. So let me see if I have some other things on that note. Okay, so I want to talk about pricing because I feel like that's a big struggle so what do you when you are on like Facebook and see some post out there that says, "Just tell me what you think about this when you see a post that says, "What city are you in and how much are you charging like have you seen those posts like does that bother you like it bothers me all
1: the time all the time
0: so what is your so what do you wish that everyone out there knew like that you've learned in your experience like You know, when you're like talking to someone who's, who's going to make a post like that and who's like worried about that.
1: To me, it's it's really funny because I feel like I have a different opinion than most on this subject because I'll see a lot of posts and they say, what city are you in and what do you charge? And they'll say, well, you're in a big city. so You can charge more. I'm in a small town where I feel like the complete opposite because if I'm in Salt Lake, you can throw a rock and hit a salon, like the street that I'm on in Riverton that my salon's on, there's like six other salons within two blocks. And so I feel like my prices should be more competitive with the other salons, where if I live in a small town, I can charge whatever I want, because that person that's making an appointment would have to drive clear somewhere else to another city, so you have to factor in their time. If they're gonna drive an hour away to get their nails done, they might as well just pay $10 more and get their nails done by you. So I don't feel like it really matters what city you're in. It's about the service that you're offering. And another thing that I, on the whole posting is people will say, "Um, I'm not a one hour nail tech. If you want quality nails, it's going to take longer than an hour, which I totally disagree because how we as nail techs make money is by being quick. So that's what I'm always telling my girls, you cannot take two hours to do a set of nails. Because say that somebody who's sitting in the salon next to me takes two hours for a set of nails and they charge $50. I am taking one hour to do a set of nails. They're getting the same nails and I can do it in an hour and I'm charging $50. Well, guess what? I am making double of the person next to me. And really, you're paying somebody for their skills. And because I've been doing nails for eight years, or 18 years, I can do a set of ls in an hour. You can have flowers, you can have designs. So to me, everybody says, oh, well, you shouldn't go to somebody that only takes an hour. No, really, you should go to that person, because they probably have a lot of skills tucked, you know, in their back pocket, that they can do it a lot quicker.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's true. So when your girls are struggling with that, like, what's something tangible that you could give them as advice to like, you know, because they, in reality, can't get it done as fast as you can. So, what are some of, like, the, I don't know, like, ideas and things that you can give them to, like, work on their speed? Like, without getting into too much technique, because I know this is not, like, a video on technique and stuff like that, and you have to, like, really show them. Yeah. But
1: So, a lot of times, I'll ask their permission to have me sit and watch them um, do now. So, I'll just kind of watch what they do. And a lot of times, what I see with the girls at my salon are they're talking to their clients, and they stop what they're doing to look up and talk to their clients. Where the client, you're touching them, you're holding their hand, they still feel like it's personal whether you're looking them in the eye or not. So I always tell people, you have to learn to multicast. You have to learn to work while you're talking to your client, and don't stop. You don't need to look up, you can glance. Um, that's a huge one. Another big one is while I'm prepping my client's nails, I'm already asking them what they want, like what they want. And they're showing me pictures. They're going through my colors while I'm working. And I'll see a lot of nail techs. They'll go through and they'll prep the nails and then they'll stop what they're doing, sit back and say, okay, what do you want? And then they spend 15 minutes, 20 minutes deciding a color where that's like, If you think you're going to charge a dollar a minute, you just lost $15 to $20 because you stopped to talk to your client. And then I'll be talking about um, rebooking my clients, and I'll book them for a year in advance. That way, at the end of the appointment, I don't have to find them an available slot in three weeks. They have the whole year's worth, and then they can literally just get up and pay and walk out the door. So it's just little things like that that you don't even have to work at. You could just automatically make yourself like... 30 minutes
0: faster just by doing those things yeah oh my gosh I love how you said that because really if you sat down and watched them and started the timer and stopped it when they did those like squirrel moments like that and started it back again they would probably find out that when they're actually doing nails they're actually a lot faster than they think right yeah yeah so like all those little distractions I I watch my girls do the same things um you know, they're deciding on colors, they're stopping. It's kind of, yeah, like you said, like a polite thing. Like we think we have to look them in the eye and then like stop what we're doing so we can acknowledge their story or what they're talking about. Um, but we get really good at like just multitasking. Like as soon as someone sits in my chair, I grab their hand and just start prepping them. (laughs) Like I, I and I just start into the conversation. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I love it. So good um let me check at my questions again okay this one is really big deal for me because some of my girls are moms like i feel like that's a big thing is like and i've talked to you about this before because i struggle with this myself is like committing to my work hours and stuff like that. And you've been like giving me advice on like daycare and babysitters and stuff like that. So I want to know like the real deal of like where you have help in your life so that you can do the awesome, amazing things that you do. Because the secret I feel like is that we all have help and people in our corner like whether it's a supportive spouse whether we have an accountant to help us with our taxes or like daycare someone really helping us with kids like what things are in your life that like if they weren't there like you wouldn't be able to do what you're doing do you know what I mean
1: yeah so family is huge to me and my husband is like my number one supporter he understands that to be To have the career I have and have the things we have, he has to help with the kids. So when I first had kids, um, I would stay home during the day and then I would go into work at 5.30. We would meet at the salon, he would take the kids and I would work. So I always worked like 5.30 to 10.30 um, plus Saturday. So we worked opposite schedules. And I mean, it's a compromise because you don't get to see your husband as much, but I got to be with my kids Plus, I got to have a clientele. And then as my kids have gotten older and I was able to put them in preschool or some sort of daycare, then I started picking up different days during the week and still working evenings. And now, luckily, I have been cutting my schedule back. So I'm trying to only work two nights a week because I can work the days. And then I don't work Saturdays. Um just so just kind of have like time with my husband. But All of our kids are getting into sports now. They're all getting older and two of them play football and one plays fall baseball. And my husband's the coach, so luckily I have family. So my mom and my mother-in-law are awesome people who will pick my kids up from school, take them to sports, feed them dinner, so if it wasn't for my family, I couldn't have the things that I have. And I feel really bad for people who live out of state from their family because I feel like it's a huge support of people that you can trust. But I'm a huge like supporter of daycares. I know a lot of people don't want to send their kids to daycare, but I feel like for me as a mom, I'm a better mom because I have the career I have. Because I get to get out, I get to talk with people, do the things that I love, then on my days off, I'm a better mom for my kids and I want to spend more time with them instead of being sick of them all the time. Seriously. <laughs>
0: um so would you say when people say like oh they can't afford daycare like my my thing I I say back to that is usually like if you were working you probably could. Do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, um I okay, so the thing with daycare is yeah, if I only had a job that paid $10 an hour, $12 an hour, it probably wouldn't be worth it for me to pay $35 a day for daycare. Um, that's why I feel it's really important to know your worth and charge. Like, so I know that I have to pay rent to work at the salon, I have to buy products, I have to pay taxes, I have to pay daycare. So, I have to charge enough to cover all those, plus make it worth my while um, to work. So I think that you just make work what you need. I don't know if that makes sense. Like if you really want to work, you'll figure out a way.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. Like there's like a certain just like belief in your in your work and what you're doing that like when you um when you commit to it, that you're gonna figure out how everything fits together and when i find that my girls in my salon are like having problems yeah. in any area like it's like probably something that they're not committing to 100 um you know what i mean
1: yeah i think for sure because i'll i get a lot of girls that feel like they can no longer work at the salon because and i honestly think it's the, the support system either their husbands or their family aren't committed to their career or they don't feel it's important, but I also feel like they don't feel like it's important, like they would rather be home with their kids, and to them it's not as big of a deal, but for me it's super important that I have my own self-worth, like I feel like I need to work just to boost my confidence, make me feel better, and I'm lucky because I have a husband that is also willing to take the kids so I feel like as moms, we have that mom guilt where we feel like it's our job to like make dentist appointments, take them to sports, do all the things for our kids. And we don't dare to ask for help. And I get mom guilt all the time. But then when I give up salon time, it's like, it's hard for me. Like it makes me get kind of depressed.
0: No, seriously. <laughs> seriously. That's funny. Um, there's just so much like, uh, with mom guilt, <laughs> Oh yeah. we, we do it to ourselves and, and we kind of make ourselves the victim and the martyrs. Like we kind of make ourselves that victim. You know what I mean? Like, Oh, I can't because I have my kids and what was me? You know what I mean? Yep. And then we yep. get to use that as a convenient excuse sometimes, which is sub- more subconsciously, like, I don't know. <laughs>
1: yeah. It's hard.
0: But yeah. Um, okay. So I'd love to talk about things you've learned with owning a salon. Um, that's a big deal. How, how did you dare to do that? <laughs> to open a shop? <laughs> is that something you've always wanted to do? It is something I
1: always wanted to do. So when I decided to do hair, uh, my mom was a huge supporter in me because she wanted to do hair and she never did it. So for her, it was she like supported me the whole way because it's kind of like living, you know, her dream to help me. And when I started doing apprenticeships, what was happening is these girls that I would teach would want to continue to work with me. And I rented a room at a studio salon. And at first I had a single room with just me in it. And then I expanded to a bigger room so I could put more tables in it. And then all of a sudden I had three tables and they were all full, yet I had so-and-so that wanted to come work for me as well. And it was just a natural progression of opening a salon. And studio salons, I, I loved it. I was there for five years, but it's a lot of money. I was paying $1,300 a month for my three person room. And so to step into a lease at a building wasn't that huge of a jump for me. Obviously, buying all the equipment and all the stations was a huge cost. Um, and when I came to resign my lease, my mom said to me, I want to own a salon with you. Like, let's open a salon. So she's my silent partner. She does all my taxes, but then I'm the face of this business. I run it. It's my salon. Um, so I was very fortunate to have my mom help me, so she kind of got to live her dream along with me. But... Yeah, it was just like a natural, it was scary. I was paying a lot at the studio salon, so it just kind of worked its way out.
0: Yeah, I love it. It's been a huge learning process for me, too. It's like, it's pretty crazy. <laughs> what What would you say? things in owning a salon. Go ahead, what was that?
1: There's things in owning a salon that you just would never think of until all of a sudden you're running into those problems thinking, oh, I didn't sign up for this.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and tell me tell me if you agree with this. Every, like, couple of months or couple of weeks, you just want to burn it all down to the ground. It's like, okay, I quit. <laughs> then you're like, oh, wait, a yeah, love I, this. <laughs> I always joke around. And it's
1: like, I don't get
0: paid enough for this. <laughs> oh, cool. So what have you learned from um, – like a running a staff kind of point of view, like from having the salon, probably like a million lessons there, but like what has really like stood out for you that you didn't know before you owned a salon?
1: So one of my biggest challenges in running a salon is I still I have two businesses. So business number one is Trisha Baldwin, Meltech hairstylist. So I'm in the salon, 40 hours a week, doing hair, doing nails, that's one business. And I work in my salon. So then on top of that, I have business number two, owning pinks, paying the bills, running just every little in and out, uh, like hiring, all that stuff. And keeping those two separate has been my biggest challenge. Because in the years past, I always like to make friends with my coworkers, because I have to work alongside of them every day. I know more about them and I see them more than I do my own family. And so that's the biggest challenge because when it comes to making sure they're paying their rent on time or when they mess up with a customer and there's customer service issues, I'm the one that has to like switch hats. And I always have to tell them like, okay, I'm your friend. I understand this is really difficult for you, but as a business owner, I need you to pay your rent or I need you to do this. And that's one of my biggest challenges is trying to keep that separate, but trying to like be their friend, but also their boss. That's a huge learning curve for me.
0: Yeah, that's huge. And I I don't know if it's kind of like, like a whole being okay with not being their friend because like we have these tender hearts and we just want to be their friend (laughs) Mm -hmm. and we understand whatever they're going through or yeah, whatever. But it's like there's the business side that's like separating it that's a big thing for me right now too I feel like that's coming up it's like I've kind of mushed everything together too much and like separating the two like has been showing up as very important right now we'll just say that (laughs) yeah yeah
1: so I just I do feel that doing hair and doing nails has made it easier for me to bring people in because I understand each side of the business. So that's helpful. Um, But yeah, I just, I don't like being the bad guy. And so to me, I just like to keep everything and I wanna be friends with everybody. And
0: it's, yeah, it's it's hard. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. But being here in
1: the salon, I think when I when I listen to other t- like nail techs or stylists come in and talk about their old salons, I feel like being an active part of the salon is very important as well because I'm here day in and day out. If the vacuum breaks, I'm ordering a new vacuum. If the AC is going out, I'm calling the landlord to get the AC fixed where some owners, they strictly own the salon and they don't work in the salon and it's not as, it's a more impersonal. Um, And it's harder to get on top of things. So I pride myself in that when things go down, I'm on top of it to get it fixed. And so that's a good part of actually working in the
0: salon. Yeah. That's something I love about you because you're, you're there a lot. And I feel like that being that involved helps your team trust you. It helps, you know, your, the clients, not even just your clients, but like the clientele of the salon, like know who's, who's running it. And like, it's kind of like, I mean, and you're your brand and you're wearing your pink hair and you are, you are Trisha, you know, and it's like, it's a personification of the business, you know, when you're there, I think that's a very big, important part of it. Yeah. Love it. So if, if you had like some like advice that you wish someone would ask you about the nail industry, um, it can be about anything that we've talked about, like what do you wish someone asked you so that you could just like spread some extra knowledge out there to like help, you know, the community of nail technicians um, learning how to um, charge their worth, um, whether it's about owning a salon or it can be about all of these things. What do you wish someone asked you that you could like help spread some knowledge from your perspective? <laughs>
1: So we can touch back on like the pricing of different services. Um, I feel I feel like that's super important because I think that when a lot of girls go into doing nails, they're put down by their family almost like that's not a real job and you're never going to make it as a nail tech. But if you price yourself correctly, if you can work on your timing and your speed, you can make really good money. So for instance, um, Say you charge $50 for a fill, and you could get your timing down to an hour, and you work 40 hours a week, just like everybody else, you would be making $2,000 a week, which is $100,000 a year. And that's what I always try to tell parents who are nervous for their child. It's like, if your child puts in the work, she can make really good money. Um, On top of that, you could have retail sales. So there's never like a cap of, I can only make this much money. Even if I just wanted to work part time, say I work 20 hours a week because I want to be home with my family and try to like juggle all that, and you charge the $50 an hour, you're making $50,000 a year, which is good money to work 20 hours a week. Um, and that's where a lot of nail techs think that they're not worth $50 and they'll charge 25, but that nail tech has to work twice as hard as me because they're only gonna start out, but still 50,000, like. If you worked 20 hours a week, 40 hours, you don't, know, or 40 hours a week at $25, that's still $50,000 a year. So you're still making really good money, and that's why I always tell people, like, make sure you price correctly. Even if you're taking two hours for a set of nails, you can't charge $25 for that set of nails because you're only making half of that per hour, um, which again is more than minimum wage. That's super. I don't know. I just wish that everybody would think about that when they look at a nail tech or a hairdresser and they just put them down like, oh, they don't make any money. They just do. They just do hair and nails.
0: Just like, oh, okay.
1: It's just nails. No big deal. I just have to be a counselor. I have to, you know, do my own taxes, my own budgeting, like pay my own bit. Like no big deal. I just do nails.
0: I know. I hate it. It's awful. I was like, that's one of my things with opening a salon that I like just wanted to put it out there in the industry is like nail techs are always the table in the back, like this tiny little space, you know, in salons, like in, in the olden days, at least like when I was in like all the different salons that I'd been in. So I was like, nope, my nail techs are going to have huge tables. We're going to be like the main like game here in this salon. We're going to be at the forefront of this space and we're going to be taken seriously because especially with the way nail art has gone in the industry continues to change and improve. We got to go with it. And we got to understand that we're worth that $50 an hour. I feel like asking that at the end of the appointment saying like that will be $50 or $60 or whatever is like a huge like glass ceiling to break for a ton of, of nail techs. And I've seen you do pricing kind of differently. Can you talk about how your pricing has kind of changed over the years and what you do now? And you can get as specific as you want. Yeah. Yeah,
1: So, um, I feel like a lot of nail techs charge per service. So a fill is 25, a full set, is whatever it is it's per service, but I really broke down my pricing to per minute. So when I charge for, whether I'm doing a fill, a full set, a gel polish, I'm making about the same amount of money no matter what I'm doing. Even, cause I do hair as well, so I make sure that my hair, whether I'm doing hair or nail, I'm making the same. So I can kind of guarantee if I'm working a 10 hour day, and I'm charging $50 per hour, I'm gonna make a $500, about $500 a day. And it just helps me project how much money I'm going to make. Where if I was, if I just had a set amount, I can't control that as much. So if I charge $50 for a fill and somebody wanted extra art, so you know, it's wedding season right now, and everybody wants 3D flowers. Well, 3D flowers take extra time, so 15 minutes. So for anything over the hour, I charge a dollar per minute. That way, if I book you an hour-long appointment or an hour and 15 appointment, I'm making the same amount of money. So to me, it's super important to, like, to look at how much do you want to make per hour? How long does the service take you? And that's how you choose, that's how, you choose how much you're going to charge for that service.
0: So as people work up to that, what is your best advice? Like, do they start at like 50 cents a minute? Like, if they don't feel like they can do that right out the gate, like for newbies or something, like what is your advice to like working up to to that?
1: So I'm going through this with a couple of my girls because look at it if for the brand of um, Birkenstock. Okay, let's just talk about shoes. So Birkenstocks has these shoes that are like Birken Crocs, right? They're like a plasticky, waterproof Birkenstock. Well, Target sells the exact same shoes um, for $10 where the Birkenstocks are $80. And people will buy, I'm a sucker, I bought the Birkenstocks because it's Birkenstocks. Um, And I really feel like when you're going to price yourself, if you are constantly charging a small amount. It messes with people's head and they think, well, I must not be getting as much. It must not be like these target ones are probably not as good as the actual Birkenstock ones. And so I always tell people it's important to charge enough that people think like, oh, well, you know, I've got to take care of these now because they were $40 or they were $50. And on the other hand, I feel like if you're going to charge a large amount for a set of nails, those people need to be able to go, you know, a good amount of time without having breaks or lifting, or you need to make sure you're giving them all the art they want. So I always tell people it's important to find that happy medium. So if you're a newbie, don't come in charging $20 for a set of nails because you're just going to get randoms that come in for that deal and they're not going to come back. You need to start your pricing higher so, if I'm charging as an 18-year nail tech, let's just say $50, then I expect that my newbie is charging $40. So, somebody feels like, well, I got a deal because they're newer, but it's not such a deal that they think that they got less than.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's right on. I love that. You're a wealth of knowledge. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, I guess... I've been doing it for a long time and I hate to see people struggle and I think what a lot of the industry like the, the customers don't understand is it costs a lot of money to be a nail tech and I think it costs more money to be a nail tech than it does a hairdresser because hairdressers like they can charge easily what they spent on the hair color and still make money. Where nail techs the industry is changing every day. Every day, I get on Facebook and see there's milk bath nails. Well, now I got to go buy all these little dry flowers and all these little things to make that for the nails. Or chrome was huge, or The little tiny thing of chrome used to be $45 when it first came out. Now it's a lot less expensive, got popular, people are making it cheaper. But for me to stay up on the trends. I'm spending hundreds of dollars a month just to keep up like the, the new supplies of that month. And then on top of that, I gotta, I have to learn how to use that product. So there's YouTube videos, but also I need to take classes. And that's where nail techs need to understand and the, like the customers need to understand, it's a lot of money for me to be able to offer you all these different things. And that's why I charge what I charge and that's why everybody else needs to charge A higher amount to make sure that they can afford to pay their daycare to pay their bills and have a little spending money because that's why we work right
0: right that's so true um i love it i want to wrap up because i know you don't have a ton of time but i really appreciate you taking the time to chat with me today (laughs) yeah um and i want to make sure if anybody um wants to reach out to you or find you or follow you in your salon that they get that chance. What are your Instagram? Like where do people go to follow you?
1: So if they want to follow the salon, it's at Pink's Salon. You just have to remember there's two S's because it's Pink's salon. And then if they want to follow my Nell hair page for my personal, it's at Pink Trish Nell. And then if they just want to see what I do on a daily basis, it's just at trisha
0: baldwin t-i-a t-r-i-t-i-a so easy perfect thank you so much um i am hoping to get better at the interviewing and i would love to have you back on if like that gets to be an opportunity (laughs) um i love it thank you so much um So much for listening. Isn't Trisha awesome? I'm definitely gonna have her back on when I get better at doing interviews and ask her some more juicy questions because I felt like I had so many things to ask her. And then when we quit recording, I asked her tons more questions that I wish we caught on the recording. But look forward to more episodes coming up. Don't forget to follow Trish at um, on Instagram. Her Instagram is pinktrishnails p-i-n-k-t-r-i-s-h-n-a-i-l-s and her salon is at pinks salon and don't forget that pinks is plural so there's an s so pinks salon and as always you can follow me at drea designs beauty that's d-r-e-a designs beauty on instagram And I look forward to your DMs, your questions, your suggestions on who to interview or send me what your struggles are. And maybe I can record something to that from my experience and um, from learning from others. I think this is all about collaboration and I'm excited to collaborate with you guys. Thank you so much for listening and go out there and be a nail tech entrepreneur.